Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Center for Medical Simulation. My name is James Lipshaw. I am the education and media designer here at the Center for Medical Simulation. And I am here today to facilitate a conversation about a new article in the journal Obstetrics and Gynecology. And that article is Association of Simulation Training with Rates of Medical Malpractice Claims Amongst Obstetrician Gynecologists by Schaefer et al., and I'm here with one of the co-authors of that paper, Roxanne Gardner, as well as Komal Bajaj. And uh, I'm going to have the two of them introduce themselves. Uh, Roxanne, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you very much, James. My name is Roxanne Gardner. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist by my professional background, and I am a simulation educator. I uh, work at the Center for Medical Simulation and serve as the senior director of Clinical Programs and Director of the Simulation Fellowship and International Scholars Program. My relationship with this paper is I'm the I'm a co-author and I'm actually the senior author on this paper. Thrilled to be here to discuss this wonderful article. My name is Komal Bajaj. I'm an OBGYN simulationista um, and healthcare leader in the Bronx, New York. Uh, I don't have any direct relationship to the article besides being a fan. <laughs> So I'd like to start just by talking about, for folks who have not seen or had access to the article yet, the overall findings from the paper. Roxanne, could you just tell us in sort of a short summary, what were the findings of, of this research? Yes, what we found, this was uh, a, what we call a retrospective analysis of data, looking at physicians who were within our uh, practice network and covered under the same insurance company for our malpractice coverage. And we looked at claims rates before and after their participation in simulation, obstetrical simulation courses. And we also looked at them for those who had attended at least one or more simulation scenarios so we could see the impact, if possible, if we could discern one for having taken more than one of these courses over the study period. And what we found, uh, in a nutshell, was that we were able to identify a significant decrease in malpractice claims rates, which is expressed in uh, claims per 100 uh, physician coverage years. So we found a significant decrease in the uh, uh, pre- and post-experiences uh, of, of claims uh, after taking the uh, simulation course. And if you would like to know some of the more specific details, um, the statistical significance was a P less than 0 0.001 for the full study period, which encompassed uh, claims uh, or participation of, of courses from 2002 to 2019, and the malpractice data period ranged from 1976 to 2019. So pre-participation in simulation courses, the claims rate was found to be 11.2 per 100 physician coverage years, and post, for the full period, the claims rate dropped down to 5.7 per 100 physician coverage years. So that was, for the full study period, that was really quite a dramatic uh, difference. 
And when we looked at participation um, in a course in the period two years prior to the course and then two years after participating in the course, we found uh, that there was a decrease in the claims rate from 9.2 to 5.4. And the significance of this was a P of 0.043. So it was still quite uh, appreciable. And what, uh, when we looked at uh, the period one year pre-participation versus one year post-participation, we didn't really see a significant change in that short, shorter period, the shortest period of time. Um, so, so that was quite uh, remarkable overall. And then what was really neat to identify was that we were able to demonstrate that there was a dose-response effect, in essence, so that the more doses of simulation courses that you participated in, we were able to demonstrate a decrease in the claims rate. So for those who participated in one session, the claims rate was 6.3. For those who participated in two sessions, the claims rate was 2.1. And for those who participated in three or more, the claims rate dropped down dramatically to 1.3. So um, that that, uh, indicates to us that re-exposure to these concepts, opportunities to practice, to think about how you communicate, how you work as a team, how you manage crises, that uh, has a a, a great uh, impact on your ability to uh, be more mindful, I, I would say, about your practice and what are some of the things that you are doing to help improve your ability to be a better team player and to improve your own patient safety practice. To summarize quickly, what I'm hearing and what I read in the study is that the research found a significant decrease in malpractice claims for participants who had participated in simulation, and more than that, what we might call a dose-response effect, where the more simulation you participate in, the greater the drop is in those malpractice claims. So I want to turn to you as a, a quality and safety professional. How do those results land on you? What does that say to you about how you might implement the research? Because you know, you know, moving from research to sort of practice, right? Bringing what we see from the re- research into real practice is really quite a difficult step in many cases. How, how do you imagine this will affect the way that you, you know, locate simulation in your organization, use simulation, roll out simulation to people? Yeah, absolutely. So first I want to congratulate um, the authorship team uh, for this work. Um, having looked at the claims data in my own organization, Um, This work is really challenging and hard to do, Uh, and this authorship team really provided a robust analysis uh, around medical claims. And so if we think about, you know, simulation, um, what we're seeing in the literature overall is that there um, is really uh, the role of simulation uh, can impact risk, specifically mitigate risk, as we see in this wonderful example, Uh, enhance reliability, um, and also enhance relationships. And, you know, if we we take this example of decreased medical claims, we know that for every serious incident that occurs, there's many, many, many more um, sort of near misses or errors that occur. 
Um, and so, you know, recognizing that this is really just the tip of the iceberg. And for those that are really trying to move the needle on serious maternal morbidity and mortality, simulation must be part of a comprehensive strategy to do that. So one, one piece for both of you that really interested me about the discussion in the article was if I'm a, a, a hospitalist or if I'm a, a obstetrician, gynecologist, or if I'm the director of a program, and I'm really interested in using simulation to hopefully reduce the rate of serious incidences in our, in our program, what kind of simulation work should I be doing? But I found it very interesting that the simulation type program that was run here was simulation around teamwork training specifically, as opposed to say, simulation around surgical skills or simulation around uh, specific clinical interventions. Can either of you talk just a little bit about what is the value of, of teamwork training in these, in these critical situations here and why is that simulation that we should think about focusing on? I'll, I'll start first. I, I can speak for what I know of our malpractice uh, uh, insurance company. We're a, we're a closed uh, captive uh, insured and so we cover our, our insurance company it goes by the name of CRICO, the Controlled Risk Insurance Company. And they are able to uh, capture data from all of the different Harvard teaching hospitals uh, across all the different professions. So as they look at malpractice data within obstetrics, they actually have uh, developed a taxonomy for being able to digger, dig deeper into these events to identify what are what we call contributing factors. What are those things that are happening in the situation as it unfolds that can contribute to um, uh, good outcomes or contribute to not so good outcomes? And when we look at uh, claims of high severity especially, which is what we're really focused in on here, is that the... Um, the contributing factors that uh, are most common relate to communication, communication amongst the team members, the clinicians, communication between the patient and the provider, and then um, uh, other types of uh, communications outside of the uh, kernel of the uh, patient and provider. So uh, those are areas that are ripe for improvement and for focus on in um, our scenarios that we construct. Uh, teamwork is also one of those aspects. Um, and, and then we have other things that come up um, that, that uh, others find very important as well, such as documentation, uh, uh, delay, misdelay in diagnosis, and that sort of thing. So we have opportunities to weave those components into our scenarios. But the real thrust of it is looking at our teamwork communication, the response that we have to critical events, how we organize ourselves and, and begin to address and, and mobilize our resources. If we think about it, um, you know, sports teams, a basketball team, for example, will play 80 plus games a year and then spend the rest of the time practicing, whereas healthcare teams are on all the time. And so, you know, the simulation example that um, you know, uh, was the intervention here, uh, really provided, uh, as Roxanne mentioned, a beautiful opportunity to practice teamwork and communication and then have a reflective conversation afterwards. Um, and it's that combination of the simulations and the debriefings that um, really, to Roxanne's point, you know, 
made people think differently about how they relate to their, their other teammates uh, during actual clinical events. And we're able to bring cases to life. So we know of specific events. We will alter some of the details so that you can't uh, trace it back to the, the real event. But we are able to, to highlight a particular situation. And that becomes really very relevant because people can, practitioners can relate to the fact that, wow, this situation actually happened somewhere in one of our institutions. And so this is something that we really need to focus in on in practice. And in some cases, we've, we've uh, created scenarios uh, which clinically come back to their own life and seemingly uh, are things that uh, are eerily similar to what they had in simulation. There are those kinds of simulations as well that eerily come back to haunt people in real life. And, and in those cases, they realize that and say, oh, this is just like simulation. And I need to do X, Y, and Z to start getting things mobilized. And we've heard those uh, come back to us by email or people will pick up a phone and call us and, and relay their experiences. One thing that really struck me was in this particular moment, it seemed like a real opportunity for synergy because the focus of these training sessions were around teamwork and communication. And one problem that organizations have been really faced with in the last year plus has been, how do we conduct simulation in a safe manner? And so something that we've been working on, you know, Roxanne and I and other folks at the Center for Medical Simulation have been developing online labor and delivery courses. And those really, again, focus around teamwork and communication and sort of these interpersonal and interprofessional skills. And as, a, as someone who, as part of my job, really focuses on how we can transition in-person learning to online and really works around like best practices for online learning, this is really exciting for me because communication and teamwork are the kinds of simulations that actually work really well in a virtual environment. They're the kinds of trainings that they don't necessarily require you to be standing around a million dollar mannequin. You can have these conversations online. You can picture a world where, you know, you're having these kinds of conversations with teammates via Zoom, via some other online platform, and it sort of makes sense and you're not fighting the medium in the simulation. So that's what's really exciting to me is that there's this opportunity where organizations have really been thinking about how can we do this stuff virtually or remotely? How can we get people together when we can't physically get people together. And that all seems to come together here where just the kind of training that it sounds like is prescribed for a lot of places is the kind of training that you can do virtually in a really successful way. James, undoubtedly, the pandemic really um, helped unlock innovation in a lot of different areas. And I think that, you know, healthcare leaders um, should really, really deeply think about um, you know, simulation across the continuum, what needs to be done in a simulation center, um, what lends itself to virtual environments as well as inside to or within the clinical environments. And I think the most successful simulation programs, the most effective simulation programs will have a lovely combination of all three. So with just a couple minutes left, I just want to get your last thoughts in terms of, you know, what is next for this paper, Roxanne? What's next for the research? You know, what research comes next? And uh, what comes next in terms of, you know, rolling this kind of thing out for the programs? What, what's next for, for all of this? Well, I think going back to what uh, Kamal just pointed out is 
uh, we don't have a we don't have yet a comparison and and a, a long data observation period looking at what is the difference between a, a seven hour course or a four hour virtual course uh, versus uh, just intermittent episodes of in situ drills that are required on a very frequent basis throughout the year. So. So I think that those are some of the things that, that we can look at to see, you know, maybe titrate a little better. What is that right balance that will still continue to make a difference? Well, and I think that, you know, um, this authorship team has certainly paved new ways in um, sort of uh, energizing this conversation and also a methodologic approach um, to looking at one's data locally. Um, and I think for me, it's, you know, to continue ha to have these conversations as to how simulation fits within the table of organization uh, within a healthcare system. Thank you so much for taking the time to discuss this really interesting and exciting research. And it's been a pleasure to have both of you here today. And thank you everyone for listening.